Greetings friends and Firebirds fans and welcome to the Fire and Ice podcast presented by Desert Willow Golf Resort. Fire and Ice, the official podcast of your Coachella Valley Firebirds of the American Hockey League. Coming to you from Palm Desert, California, Amir Jessica Campbell sketched power play away from the Birds Home Ice of Acrisure Arena. I'm your host, Judd Spicer, along with this bi-monthly endeavor. Also have a privilege, rather, and the pleasure of again serving as your Firebirds insider for this sophomore season. An article a month, you can find that and those online at cvfirebirds.com. That, of course, is your home for all things Coachella Valley Firebirds, including, but certainly not limited to, team, roster, schedule, merchandise information. I'm also going to suggest that you download the CV Firebirds application. Great way to get tickets for your Firebirds games and everything happening yonder way in Palm Desert at Acrisure Arena. Per the presenting sponsor of this program, the aforementioned Desert Willow Golf Resort, right here in sunny Palm Desert, California, home to 36 holes, the Mountain View and Firecliff courses respectively, also the excellent and on-site Palm Desert Golf Academy, can make it a phenomenal putt-to-puck day just three miles separated from Acrisure Arena is Desert Willow Golf Resort. And they have recently, I should add, added to their mantle many accolades and awards over the years and recent days acknowledged by the California Golf uh, Course Owners Association as the 2023 Course of the Year. Big backslaps to Desert Willow Golf Resort. You can get your tee times online at desertwillow.com. All right, friends, joining me in this December 7, 2023 episode of Fire and Ice. we got a great one for you. Firebirds defenseman Connor Carrick. And i got to give assist to my pal and colleague, Shad Powers of the Desert Sun, for this one. As I trust several, if not most of you, may have read in recent weeks Shad's excellent article on Connor in the Desert Sun, where he discussed not merely Connor's 11-year pro hockey career, but also his dual life, his other his other endeavor as host of the Curious Competitor with Connor Carrick. It's a podcast that he has hosted for uh, the last three years and a lot of fascinating subject matter. Much of it uh, taking place off the ice. It's really a lot of fascinating stuff and subject matters that Connor has delved into to date on his program, including conversations with former teammates, delving into performance, mental health, wellness, mind and body, nutrition, talking a lot about the brain. Really interested to have this visit with Connor on this episode. We'll also, of course, talk about his debut season with the Firebirds. Before we get to that conversation, let's take a moment here to delve into the Firebirds freeze frame segment of this program. And let's start with this. The interesting, if not curious, to borrow from uh, Connor Carrick's uh, title of his of his program, the season itself is also curious. Uh, the, the metric uh, continues, friends. Firebirds uh, overall 10-7-1 on the season. That places them sixth in the Pacific Division. The aforementioned curiosity comes from this number. This is the headline. 
eight and one away from Akershire Arena, which is the top winning percentage in the American Hockey League. However, at home, Birds are just two six and one, and that places them thirty first out of the AHL's thirty two teams per home winning percentage. As far as the schedule, yeah, no, no, no great segue from that, although that's certainly something else we'll touch upon with this episode's guest, Connor Carrick. Let's take a brief look at the schedule ahead as we delve further into the month of December, tick-tock to the end of 2023. Firebirds soon to hit the road yonder Abbotsford, where they have back-to-back on Friday the 8th and Saturday, December 9th, two games against Abbotsford. Then get a couple days off as they return here to the desert proper, where again, the Birds will face Abbotsford. That takes place at home. That's the next home game, Wednesday, December 13th. Abbotsford, by the way, they're tough. They're good. 13-5-1 on the season to date. So those games, while we're still early-ish in the season, I mean, we've now reached the quarter pole of this second year of Firebirds hockey. These three games may mean something down the line come April in the Firebirds season. We've got three straight games again against Abbotsford, a couple days off, and then another back-to-back, both of these games taking place at home at Akershire Arena. That's Saturday, December 16th. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop versus Bakerfield. Follow that up directly on Sunday the 17th with a 5 p.m. home game versus Colorado. Another big facet and feature of this Firebirds a season thus far, talked about this in the most recent episode with the Firebirds play-by-play voice, Evan Pivnik, is the transactions. And they continue, friends, by my count, by my Minnesota math, it's eight. Eight to date. Now, while five of these gentlemen are now back with the Firebirds, we had more guys called up. That includes our captain. Can I still say our captain? He's now with Seattle. But traditionally, our captain and our leading scorer, Max McCormick, good for Max, got called up to the Kraken in recent days, as did defenseman Riker Evans. That seemed an inevitability, but kudos to young Riker on getting called up to the National Hockey League. One other transaction worthy of note, this comes by way of the ECHL up to the Firebirds, goalie Jack LaFontaine. He's kind of had his own shoots and ladders this season, going up and down between the two teams. But with a recent injury, this is freaky. This is scary. This took place on Saturday, uh, December 2nd, in the overtime loss to Ontario, where goalie Alastezka, hope I pronounced that name right, know that I butchered it before. Not a laughing matter, certainly, as a, a freaky injury had to be helped off the ice. Chris Drieger ultimately finished that game. But I suspect this is why we've again seen uh, goalie Jack LaFontaine called back up to the birds. That just happened yesterday, the day before this program is being recorded. A lot of transactions, a lot of up and down. Didn't see much of that last year. We're amply seeing it this year. Something to keep track of as we continually assess the roster, assess the lines, and assess the Firebirds' concurrent lineups. As far as the leading scorers on your Firebirds to date, nobody in the American Hockey League in the top 20. The aforementioned Max McCormick, again now up with Seattle, leading scorer thus far into the year for the Birds, 17 total points. That includes a team high, tied eight goals, 
couple of nine assists. Cole Lind right there with 16 total points. Cameron Hughes, 15 points on the year. He has three goals, matched with a team-best 12 assists. Shane Wright, 14 total points, tied with McCormick for the Birds' lead with eight goals. He's got six assists. And young Logan Morrison, having a great rookie season in the AHL, 13 total points. He's matching five goals with eight assists. In the net, Chris Drieger has had a really, really strong season for the Birds. He is one of those uh, call-ups, by the way. Now, of course, back with CV. 7-5-1 mark on the season. His 2.24 goals against tracks third in the American Hockey League for netminders with double-digit starts. His save percentage of .916 ranks ninth in the AHL, again, for netminders with double-digit starts thus far into the season. All right, friends. All that offered, all that prefaced, Let's get to this episode's visit with Firebirds defenseman Connor Kerr. All right, Fritz. That's prefaced on this episode of the Fire and Ice podcast. My guest hails from Portland Park, Illinois. State of all that Chicago land. Now in his 11th year. Professional hockey, but resume reads over 240 at his current 48 specifically NHL games at his regular season and playoffs that CB is coupled with 332 games in the American Hockey League, the last 16 of which have been this year debuting for the Coachella Valley Firebirds on the blue line, uh, along with his uh, hockey career. Also, the host of the uh, very informative and very alliterative uh, Curious Competitor with Connor Carrot. That preface uh, offer, I think you can probably guess, friends, uh, that my guest is Connor Carrot, defenseman for the Firebirds. Connor, appreciate your time, man. John, absolutely. Anytime. Let's start, let's start with this. Just a couple softballs and a couple of quick hitters. We've got about, I think, five off days in a row for the Firebirds this week before the travel to uh, Yonder Abbotsford. Uh, let's go chronologically, if we will. Monday was the Firebirds Invitational Golf Tournament. I trust you played. I did. I did play. And how'd you play? I was pretty happy. Uh, it's a scramble, so the pressure's you know always off until it isn't. Until the three guys ahead of you, you know, don't hit a good shot, and then you you really got to come through. But I was happy, and then uh, on the longest drive, I was, I was pretty jacked. I might be looking at one of those uh, long drive like monitor things. Okay. Uh, my friend there uh, had me at. I think it was 124 swing speed, and I was able to cook it like 330 yards. So wow. the drivers, the drivers, kind of the hit or miss on how my round goes, and I was able to keep between the lines most uh, most holes. So I was happy with that. And how'd your team finish? I think we finished nine under. I forget where that you know put us. As soon as uh, I realized we were not going to win, I I stopped uh, checking on the tally. It was just you know getting ready to get out of there and, and uh, get ready for the practice day. That was, that was the next day. Going again uh, in linear fashion. I think uh, a fan, a Firebirds fan, may have posted this yesterday. So let's see. The tournament was on Monday. Yesterday at Akershire Arena, Stevie Nicks showed a picture of you with uh, some fan there. Accurate? Yeah, that was cool. I'm, I'm a pretty big Stevie Nicks fan. Uh, landslide was my mom and I danced uh, to that at my wedding. So, you know, that song kind of gets me in the in the tears most times, and last night was no different. And uh, 
you know, it was cool. It was cool to have a pocket. Uh, my wife's a big fan too. So we had uh, John Hayden came over and watched my son, my, my almost three-year-old and, and did bedtime with him. And we were able to go to the concert, which was cool and get to practice today. John Hayden babysat your kid. Yeah. Him and his uh, fiance, Lauren, uh, were able to, uh, they, they, they babysit. They basically play shinny for three hours with my son uh, with a couple <laughs> hockey games in the background. Um, and then, uh, did bedtime and Charlie was pretty excited. He had a new Christmas book, so John uh, had the luxury of, of breaking that in for him. Always good to have a, a a Yaley, a guy that went to Yale who also really knows how to fight. Uh, babysitting your kid. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole that's a whole nother beast. Charlie has a, a pretty strong propensity for physicality, and and John uh, I think encourages that. They bring out the best in each other that that way. All right, Connor, let's take it on the ice. We are now a uh, quarter pole. We were quarter uh, quarter way through, surprisingly. It feels like a, kind of a blur. But, uh, yeah, we've played uh, 18 games of the Firebirds' second season. How would you assess uh, – it's a big, broad question, but how would you assess the Firebirds at 10-7-1? and one? How would you assess the club to date? I mean, you, you always want to have a club strong enough to outplay teams, and I think we've been able to establish that a lot of nights, um, you know, the art of winning and making sure that you, you know, get the, the full 60 minute effort and, and, and execute that is something we're, we've talked about. Um, and it's something you build towards. There's a lot of turnover at this level, um, you know, which every team goes through. So there's, there's, you know, no excuse, but I, I think it's continue to reinforce the, the identity of what's expected at each position all throughout our lineup, for the entirety of the game. And then dragging, you know, when you've got your B game, let's say, let the guys that have the A game kind of drag you into it instead of the other way around where uh, you, you you bring the club down with a few, you know, decisions um, that make the game just more difficult for the next guy. And so, you know, that's our conversation. And, uh, I mean, I've seen it both ways. I've seen teams, you know, get off to, to really hot starts. It's a dangerous thing to all of a sudden think you're entitled to have a good year. Um and then at the, at the quarter, you know, I'd say we're in a good spot launching-wise. I think we've wrapped our head around what, what will bring us success um, night in, night out. Now it's just about doing it. After the 4-3 uh, overtime loss to Ontario uh, on December uh, the 2nd, this uh, Saturday past, one of the uh, 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 folks in the post-game presser, your teammate Cole Lind, and I asked Cole, I said, you know, you, you had a great game, man, unfortunate loss in overtime, scary injury uh, also uh, should should be noted. But I said, after your two goals, a very emphatic response each time, not not the kind of response you might expect in the 18th game of the season, but like playoff type responses. And he said, yeah, there's a little extra, extra fire. There was a little extra wick that was lit. And he said that was kind of preceded by the fact that you guys had a, a team meeting, a team meeting, which, uh, ultimately involved kicking out the coaches. Those are, I think his words, not, not, not mine. Can you, uh, can you take us in? Can you pull back the curtain just a little bit, Connor, on that team meeting and, uh, what the Firebirds discussed? Well, you want the good in your game to crowd out the bad. So you, it's hockey's not a game where you necessarily just stop doing bad things and stop making mistakes entirely. You just want to increase the clip of, of good decision and what it is exactly you bring. Um, so we just had a conversation, you know, with, with each guy, like, Hey man, what do you do here? Or you, 
there's a lot of guys in pro hockey. Why were you selected? What what can this group, you know, expect from you? And a reminder that uh, we see in practice a lot of times that like we have a competitive group. Like we know what we can do. Um, and uh, so we, we just kind of solidified that and and, and uh, you know try to refocus for the weekend. Do you feel like whether this meeting? Oh, let me ask this a different way. You're a hockey veteran. You've done it 11 years. In your experience, are meetings like this where you might need a little kick in the tush? Um, are they are they genuinely or generally productive? They result in good things when you have players' meetings like this? Yeah, I think it's, it's easy when things kind of are going awry to start focusing on, like, where the holes in your boat are instead of, focusing the conversation on, on where you want to go um, directionally. And, and the goal is to like clarify and, and simplify. This is what each individual does um, within the goal of how our team plays. And when you're able to kind of create that clarity, um, that's really to get you know, confidence coming to the rink before you even take warm up. Uh, you become a lot clearer on like, okay, these are the few plays that kind of get me into the flow of the game. Uh, these are the plays that kind of maintain the flow of the game and, and, what might be the kryptonite um, that the other club really feeds off of. Uh, and then all of a sudden your strengths as a player start to roll, you know, through you know, all five guys on the ice, all four lines. Um, and that's where a club starts to look like a machine. You know, a lot of, I'm sure what you know, the club saw last year, I was with the Providence Bruins. It was the same thing. Like we didn't have a great start and, uh, you know, we had to have a conversation around, you know, what each guy did within our, our team structure. And it just creates that simplicity. That's what a win does. That's when you're on a roll. You're like, you just can't even fathom losing. There, there's, there's, it's just not going to happen. Um, versus on the other side of the coin, when you, you lose a few games, you kind of get into a rut. And it, it happens in different areas of your game. Like we talked about the home record, you know, power plays go through it, penalty kills go through it over the course of a season. And uh, you're in much better shape when you, you know, kind of able to highlight the conversation, show video of like, hey, guys, reminder, this is what it looks like going well. Right. Um, and this is you doing it. This is not some – we're not asking you for, for anything you're not capable of. And uh, it's the timing of it. We got we got to make sure it happens. So I agree with Lindy in a lot of ways that uh, the sentiment and the intensity he was getting at. I think, and this is – perhaps just a guess, but I hope an educated one, that part of the impetus for having such a meeting like that was certainly not based on the Firebirds' away record, which is an AHL best 8-1. and one. Inversely, and quite curiously, Connor, the home record after Saturday's overtime loss, even though I got a point for it, I think we can still say it fell to 2-6-1, and one, which is second to last in the American Hockey League. You were not here last year, but I, I gather you well-informed. You know of all the success. And you may well know that during the regular season, there were seven losses in regulation all of last year. Uh, we are already up to six, and now we have the overtime loss. How do you explain that, man? Um, I, I mean, you, you really can't. I, I think the coaching staff would even, you know, we have a lot of experience in our coaching staff. I, I'm genuinely curious. We've talked about it, but you don't want to create this, uh, you know, pressing sensation where, you're you're hyper focusing on it. It's like, all right, fine. We can have the conversations we had at, at you know home versus away. But what literally are the plays going on that we're not 
you know, making. And I, I think a little bit of what it is is just the poise, particularly at home, to build your game. Like, you don't have to hit a home run every shift. Um, and you've got to avoid certain mistakes where you just can't make the game easy for the other team, you know, where, where you're playing from behind. And I think that's been a big part of it is on the road. We've been a little bit more patient building our game. Like, we're, we're, we're going to get into the game. We're going to execute some of our systems. Um, and we're, we're not going to get bored with kind of just doing it, making the next right play, if that makes sense. It does. And, um, you know, you referenced the coaching staff. I want to go back to that, to that players meeting that seemingly started with the coaches and ended without the coaches. Why is it meaningful? Why is it impactful to have the coaches leave the room at a time like that? Well, I think it's prompted and, and it was kind of prompted by the coaches. It wasn't like we said, get out of here. Okay. Um, but at the end of the day, we are the players on the ice. The puck is on our stick, whether the, we want the puck to hit us on a block shot and the game's on the line. Or it's, it's really is up to us. They can apply whatever pressure they can. They can use rewards with ice time. They can threaten guys. Like, you know, everyone's played for a different array of coaches. I think our staff recognizes the best clubs. You, you want to empower your players. You want leaders on the ice that all throughout your lineup feel confident, um, feel like their ice time and their play matters. And I, I'd say that's a, a huge strength of our coaching staff. They don't really overlook any one player, any um, – it don't make anyone feel like a, a secondary or second-rate sort of player. And I, that's always been my belief and, and what I witnessed in the really high-end teams is there is a resiliency that emerges when the players are a part of the conversation of what's expected. It's player-on-player player looking at each other. It can be harp. It can be, you know, warm support. Like, it takes different shapes for different players at different times. Um, and that's what you hopefully find out through the course of the regular season. And you you build. I would say there's a, a saying for hockey, like every 10 games, the league's entirely different. You know, through the 10-game mark, you know, teams are at a certain clip. 10 games later, there are plays being made and rhythms that are found that are that you didn't see once in those first 10 games. Yeah. Um, and that exists all the way through the playoffs where, man, when the playoffs roll around, the teams that are humming best, it is, it is incredible the way that they play hockey. The, the, the breakout there, they're so consistent. And then the one time they need to make a differently routed play, they execute that. The power plays, um, I'll give you, like, I think our power plays kind of managed earlier in the season where we've had some hot stretches. We've had some stretches where, like, man, the puck's not going in. Maybe we got to score off the, the breakout. Like, like right. you've got to manufacture a way to feel good. It's not the, you know, set up the perfect one-timer, bang, bang it in the open net. Um, and so your team needs to be athletic and resilient that way. And when your players are a part of the conversation, it's not just a one-way conversation of the coach saying, this is what I expect, you better do this or else. Um, I think it just kind of undermines players' ability to, you know, re really take ownership of what they want to be. As far as those uh, coach-player uh, rapports for you specifically, I'll ask you this lastly for the on-the-ice conversation, Connor. Uh, not your first rodeo with Dan Bilesma in 2021, correct? You were a member of uh, Charlotte Checkers when he was assistant coach yep. there before being named the head coach. I trust that for you to play for him there and now play for him here. You two as a, as a couple of veterans must have a nice rapport. 
mean, he was a, a big part of the reason I wanted to sign here. I, I really appreciate his hockey mind. I think he's an absolute gift to this level. I mean, he's clearly proven he can coach, you know, as, as high a level as, as this game can offer. And with all the success in the National Hockey League and in Charlotte, um, I think it was mutual. There was, you know, I was in the NHL previously. He was in the NHL previously. And you can mope. You can, you can be upset about your curtain situation or you can play the ball as it lies and like, hey man, you know, we're, we're still playing a fun game and his energy was very infectious in me at that time and I hope my energy was infectious on him and, and these conversations were had in, in Charlotte. It, it's been a bit of a joke actually in, in Coachella Valley about, you know, all oh, the good old days in Charlotte. <laughs> um, but it was a unique group where there was a blend of, you know, you had Florida involved, you had, you know, Seattle didn't have a lot of prospects. It was kind of a vagabond group. And that can really go awry, you know, mm. with the different power struggles in NHL teams. We're kind of left alone. Like, it was pretty good meritocracy. Like, the best players, you know, sort of played. Uh, Dan had his element. You know, Jordy Kinnear did a great job. He, he was a, another strong head coach who I learned a lot from. Um, and I was extremely confident, you know, really when I saw the roster and I knew who the staff was even last year, I was like, that team's going to be the real deal, which happened. Um, you know, I may have been – unofficially kind of a part of the Coachella Valley Firebirds fan club after we were knocked out, you know, Max McCormick's the best friend, you know, John Hayden's the best friend. A lot of guys, uh, you know, I played with Matt Tennyson for a while, you know, Joey Decord, uh, Alex True, a lot of these guys, like I love playing with these guys. And um, I was rooting them uh, for them to have success and they had that. And then the roll around to this year, like I, w- I wanted to be on that, on that train. Friends, you're tuning in to the Fire and Ice podcast presented by Desert Willow Golf Resort. My guest is Firebirds defenseman Connor Carrot. When he's not on the ice, I sense and know that Connor has many other endeavors that don't involve skating at all. Among them, serving as host of the Curious Competitor podcast with Connor Carrot. Connor, this is an endeavor you started approximately three years ago. 74 episodes in the can. Take us back to the impetus for starting this endeavor three years back. Uh, I, was, I was trying to improve my reading habit. I wanted to read more. You know, my wife was like, you know, I, I think you'd really be into these podcasts. And I, it seems like a form you drive a lot, you know, train and things like that. And I was hooked immediately. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe the availability of, of expert out there, you know, whether they were funny hockey stories or, uh, you know, neuroscience conversations, um, you know, peak performance sort of conversations in, in the business world and elsewhere. And uh, I, I realized just the the access that I might have as an athlete and they want to tap into some of these and, and, and meet some of these people and, and be able to ask questions that I might particularly have. And it's been fun. It's been a labor of love, um, you know, over the last few years. I enjoy doing it. It's, as you know, it's sometimes difficult to, to maintain a schedule with with pro hockey and and uh that's definitely you know been my experience uh, so we'll see where i want to go with it um here in the next little while and assist again as i mentioned at uh, the outset of this program shad powers the desert sun did a great article a couple of weeks back on connor talked a lot about his podcast the curious competitor uh with connor carrot in that desert sun article i'm gonna take a step back on this a little bit man i mean to hear you talk now and to listen to your shows, listen to about eight or ten of them in the last few days before this conversation. I'm not, I'm not telling folks out there, hey, you got to go to college because you didn't go to college. 
But and listen to these shows, man. Your vocabulary, your intellect, your style of communication. It's all very, very sharp, man. Have you have you always been this smart? That's <laughs> that's I don't know. Um I've I always identified as a good student. Um I would consider there, there's a bit of a chip on my shoulder in terms of not going to college. I always had an, uh, an ambition to be, you know, very well educated. And I think if anything, it's sharpened that goal, um, you know, not having sort of a solid degree to, you know, prove it. And it, it was education just always come naturally. Like I, I have a hunger for it. Um, and uh, I think we live in a, a golden age of, of information. You know, there, there isn't the, you know, gatekeeping of information that may have existed, you know, I don't know, in high level business and, uh, you know, all sorts of different realms, you know, hockey. And I think about that earlier in my career, like to, to have access to the top coaches, like it, it was a pretty demanding thing to, to go sort out who these people are now with social media or different podcasts. Like you can, you can have a pretty good network or, uh, you know, sort of family tree of who's who in a very short amount of time. Um, and I've always found that very appealing and, and I guess I, I don't know, in terms of the information exchange side, I, I've always considered, uh, you know, what I do to be extremely physical and, and you're, it's, you're in the world of marginal gains. Can I make just 1% more plays? Can I just be 1% faster? Um, whereas the ideation world, like, just a little bit more creative. It's a little bit more exponential. You don't exactly always know what's going to emerge. Uh, you know, and specifically talk about the podcast. Like, there's a lot of days I sit down, I'm like, oh man, I'm tired after practice, whatever. I think a nap would be nice. And then I have a, a, a really, you know, page turning, like interesting conversation that invigorates me the, that day. They're not all like that, um, but I appreciate, if you listen to eight to, eight to 10, I, I know what, how much, uh, you know, time research does takes up my day for the podcast. And that's, that's a hefty number. It, it comes through quite quickly and quite clearly that you personally have a thirst and a quest for knowledge by listening to your program. And this goes deep. Some of this gets very technical, very scientific subject matters, including but certainly not limited to self-betterment, spirituality, nutrition, uh, neurosciences, uh, AI. You've delved into that a little bit. Mindfulness. Is this for you, is the, the podcast endeavors, is it a way for you to more so educate yourself on a path toward self-betterment, or is it a way to educate, entertain the listeners? I'd say both. And there's a little bit of a kind of a show and tell element. Like there's, there's certain people and techniques that I found where, Oh my God, I just, I just can't believe this has been this effective uh, for me or, or I found this, this person or this modality to be you know, really life changing. And uh, a, a lot of the different phenomenon that we, identify you know particularly in, in high-end sport like the smartest practitioners in the world whether they're hockey coaches or they're neuroscientists like it's it's not some it factor it's not some x factor like they know exactly what it is and can tell you how this is occurring they, they can't always like you know gift it to someone who just doesn't have it you know there's a lot of this is innate um and i've given this example like i work out uh, a lot of times in the summer for a while, I didn't this last summer with Ian Mack. He's got a, a pretty good name. You know, Matthews was a client, Roman Yossi and Patrick Kane and 
like Patrick Kane is known as this like extremely talented high-end puck player, right? right? Well, when we train, we would do these like heart rate sort of tests or zones. And uh, it was as if it never happened to him. Like there was no recovery needed. His heart was just able to clear the metabolites from exercise like so quickly that he came in like it was day one, day after day after day after day. And uh, it allowed his talent to sort of shine through. Like there, there was no hangover from the day before. Um, and so that's where it's like when you really peel back the onion, like players are excellent, not by accident. Um, and uh, I guess for myself, I've always been curious, like what is beyond reach? Like what is just an eight to that player? And, and what can I steal, if, if anything, to make myself better? So you referenced uh, getting better, perhaps 1% better day by day. That would uh, be related to the Japanese. Uh, I, I think you'd call it culture or practice or belief of Kaizen, something I've been yes. introduced to through uh, my golf work and uh, and golf writing. Uh, that's something uh, in which uh, you're, you're a true believer, right? You subscribe to the Kaizen. I do. I, I think there's beauty in, in sort of the discipline of, of structuring your day, structuring your life. Uh, to sort of achieve certain results and then, you know, kind of piggyback off that. Uh, I think I've always had a natural relationship with Kaizen. I think it's like a very Western philosophy. Like you, you show up, you grind it out, you work. Even when it's not working, you have faith that it will, right? This is very like Tony Robbins-esque, right? We've all heard this rah-rah intensity. And then it's like on the other end, it's like maybe you're sort of clearing space for, you know, the results to reveal themselves, you know? And, you know, players go through ruts, there's you know players that uh, we can both think of in the NHL or in the HL. Well, like they worked out this summer, they trained, they they went to training camp, did their best, stuck to the process. On the other end, you know, sometimes like better results just sort of reveal themselves. Exactly point to any one exact reason. Um, it's kind of that balance, you know, control what you can and understand that there's a, there's an upper limit to that, you know where. Yeah. Oh, the way the world's going to go the way it wants to. Um, I also, and, and this may have been uh, something that you mentioned in, in one of your episodes, or perhaps it's something I read about you. I can't recall. Meditation. You're a proponent of uh, daily meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or breath work. I, I kind of alternate. I think they're two sides of the same coin. Um, I think anytime you can, it's the human mind's capable of tremendous distraction. Anytime you take a break from that. Uh, and just kind of recognize that some thoughts like well, why is this thought so prominent who put it there you know when did I first start having that thought what would it be like if I were to stop having that thought how much more comfortable might my life be um and I, I also am a big believer in like you, know, you just listen to some people that are like if I identify I, I think I'm a sharp guy but like there's some really really smart people out there I was, I was watching yesterday it was like Ray Dalio you know guys manage gazillions of dollars and he's like two most important things in my life was like i started to understand what my principles were i wrote them down and meditation like what what would be ray dalio's consultation fee for an hour of his time probably pretty high yeah um or i could just take him at face value and believe him you know he he, he didn't seem like he's hiding the answer so and there's other, there's been other influences but meditation has been important for me yeah how long can you go for with the meditation on an individual sitting or session? You want to call it that? 
I'd say the longest I've probably done would be like a half hour, 45 minutes. Pretty um, good. I do a lot of times on the bus. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not thinking that whole time. I mean, the goal is just to kind of begin again, right? Just that athleticism of I'm, I'm trying to notice what's going on. Oh, I got on the ride. I got on the, the roller coaster of thinking again, you know, jump off the ride again. Um, kind of, you know, see it for what it is. And it's, uh, it's a practice that's tremendously helped me sleep. It's helped me tremendously in my, my parenting um, and my relationship. And I mean, these are all trying things. It sucks when you can't sleep. It's, it's really difficult when your partner looks at you and goes, you know, you've been, you've been a bear to be with or uh, and no parent, you know, wants to be sure with their child, you know, but when I tell Charlie, like, you know, stop pulling my hair 10 times and he does it the 11th, like that's where the meditation comes in. You know, you got to reset. You've uh, been in pro hockey for a long time. I think uh, I would say on my end, I've had the pleasure of interviewing probably thousands of athletes over the last near quarter century. I'll be honest, and this is a compliment. There's not a lot of guys I've come across or women for that matter, who necessarily talk like you, who perhaps think like you, Connor, who express uh, themselves in the way that you do or who endeavor some of the same practices that we've just been talking about have you felt throughout your pro career that some of these things are in contrast to your teammates and what they believe and how they live their lives for sure i mean i don't use a uh i don't use a fire hose right like if they're curious and they, they want to talk about some things like i'm i'm here I, I know that there were people that maybe suggested certain modalities to help me at younger times in my life and it went way over my head and there, there's a bit of that um but I also relate to them in, in, in more ways than not as well. You know, like our, our lifestyle is very similar, you know, our challenges of whatever it is, finding new homes or, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, it could be any array of things, but I think I've always tried to sort of be there for my teammates, um, lead them if they, if they want to be led, if they just want a friend, like, I'll do that. And then on the other hand, like, you know, you, 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 mindfulness is important, but like there's a, there's a physical mechanics component to the game. Like you've still got to go out there and make plays. You've still got to go out there and, and be in tremendous shape. There's no substitute for some of the physical work. And I, I take great pride in that side too. I would just guess, I think I found a, a bit closer to the end of the road in that realm than most. I really went after it harder in my career and just, realize like your your nervous system needs a different stimulus here and uh you know more squatting or more running or more skating is just not going to do it you need to be a little bit more creative i'm try to ask this next question in the nicest possible way it's going to come across as a negative but rest assured it certainly isn't not everybody likes the smartest guy in the room <laughs> I'm the, sorry. One more time, Jack. I, I say Go not ahead. not not everybody always likes the smartest guy in the room. Um, has your intellect no, ever ever put you at odds uh, with teammates? Well, I mean, I, I play with some other smart guys too. I mean, you don't want to be pompous, and um, you know, I've met arrogant people. I'm sure I've had you know displays of arrogance in my life. I'm not proud of them, and I mean that's part of what you're trying to accomplish with the meditation. Like, was I a prick? Like, was I, you know, out of line with, with what I said? Was I, 
you know, why was I trying to protect myself in that moment, whether it's a teammate chirping each other or you're, you're talking about a concept, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I would say I'm happy to talk about these topics with people when asked. I would say we don't go into these waters most of the time in the locker room. And so, you know, maybe the contrast isn't there. I'm not, uh, I don't know. I play with guys, for example, like tremendous hockey players. They go home and they play video games for 10 hours. I have no judgment on that. Like I, yeah. if, if that brings you great joy in your family structure, like everyone's cool with that agreement, like, Hey man, all for it. Like I, I think nothing, I don't think any less of you because you don't know who Alan Watts is or, you know, <laughs> whoever else that you, you want to, you know, talk about. Um, but if you're like, you know, if you want to come up to me and go, man, Connor, I just can't sleep at night. This, my mind's, you know, racing. Like, what do you think we could, all right, man, I've been there. I've, I've had all sorts of insomnia episodes. Like let's, let's chew on some techniques, man. I think the favorite episode that I listened to Connor, this was a, believe from April of 22, a guy with a fascinating life story, a former teammate of yours and a former NHLer, uh, Aaron Volpati. He's got yeah. an incredible life story to tell. And what I enjoyed most about that, and I don't know if you know this or not, this is decidedly a compliment. He did a great job as an interviewer in that particular episode because you shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes as an interviewer, and I hope that the listeners to this episode agree, sometimes the best thing to do is to just shut up and to let the guest or story subject tell their story. And you did that so wonderfully in that episode. He has an incredible life story to tell, and you really let him tell it. Are you conscious of being a podcast host like that, of being a good listener and letting the guests just simply tell their story without constantly interrupting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, being the oldest of three, like I was always expected to be a leader, I'm, you know, decently extroverted. Like I, I enjoy talking. I enjoy expressing myself. I'm a pro athlete. Like I, I don't mind the limelight. It, it's, it kind of comes with the job. Um, so to play a support role and to, to bring the best out of people, like I've, I've witnessed in other people. It's not something I – you know, maybe was innately drawn to, um, but I'm willing to learn. And, and, uh, you know, similarly, I try to listen to certain podcast hosts, whether it's, you know, Tim Ferriss or Andrew Huberman, like, yeah, I think they're brilliant. I'm interested in their two cents, but that is kind of their, their mastery of, of identifying really interesting stories and bring them together. And I was genuinely curious, like I played with Aaron, I played him a long time ago. Like I'm, I'm so different than when I was when I was 19. And, uh, like our relationship just man to man being older was so much different. And uh, I was genuinely curious. Like I saw some of his burn marks and literally never asked him. I just scared or, you know, if he wanted to bring it up, I guess he could. And I was like, man, I, don't, I really didn't know the story. Um, so I, 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 to piggyback off, like I, I genuinely was curious on what he was going through. Again, for those that uh, want to check out curious competitor, that's one that uh, I might recommend. Is there one that you would, personally recommend that sticks out for you something maybe that you've done in, in the recent past of these 74 episodes um i really like my dr uh, andrew hill one with peak brain uh that one's a little bit interesting just on like some of what they're finding in terms of concussion research and like something to do about it like the million dollar question i had i have a son and you know hey dr hill would would you study the brain you have for you know 40 years or whatever would you let your kid play hockey and he was like yeah i i, I would and so I have a lot of parent hockey listeners and, and players themselves. And it's kind of nice to know, like, 
you're, you're not made of glass, you know, concussions are definitely something to be afraid of, but there's something you can do. Um, so I, I'll go with that one. That was, that one's, uh, I did in the last few. Let me ask you lastly, Connor, uh, 11 years of pro hockey, still playing at an extremely high level as we've seen in your debut season for the Firebirds. Whenever eventually that day is that you opt to hang up the skates, do you see yourself delving deeper into perhaps a, a broadcast world or maybe would you say you have greater interest in in learning more about the topics that you've covered on your program whether that be the brain whether that be meditation whether that be nutrition and spirituality have you thought about that at all when I, mean, I think of the weight of the choice it's just a shame in in human life like we are as small as we are and our life's as short as it is like there's going to be some things we don't get to and i, I think about that choice being heavy i'm confident whatever i choose like i'll, I'll kind of enjoy and, and love and I don't know. I kind of leave it open-ended. Like I played other sports, but like hockey had me, you know, at a young age, it was, it was going to be hockey. There was no other substitute. And so I'm kind of, I guess, just keep my ear to the ground. Like I have an interest in human psychology or, you know, uh, biomechanics or the, the management of a great team or the coaching of a great team. Maybe that's something I go into or broadcasting. Um, but hockey chose me, you know, I met a lot of people in high school, like my wife, I just knew she was significant. I, you know, I, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of hoping uh, whatever is to be presents itself and, and we'll see what that day looks like when I get there. Connor, so appreciative of your time. Certainly hope that uh, you'll get back to the podcast. The last one I think was in September. And now, of course, we've yeah. delved into the season. you got other things to do. But certainly hope they get back to it, man. Really enjoyed listening Thank to you, it. John. I certainly intend to listen to more episodes. All the best in Abbotsford. And we'll see you guys when you get back to the desert proper next uh, Wednesday, December 13th, again against Abbotsford, three in a row against that squad. Good luck, man. Safe travels. We'll see you back here soon, Connor. Awesome, Jeff. Thanks. All right, Firebird Squad. Thank you so much for your time, your interest, your ears, your continued support and enthusiasm for this endeavor to wrap it up with this December 7, 2023 episode of the Fire and Ice podcast. Additional appreciation, of course, goes to this episode's guest. Fascinating talk, really interesting guy, great hockey player, Firebirds defenseman, Connor Carrick. And of course, powering this endeavor, title sponsor, Desert Willow Golf Resort, right here in Palm Desert, California. That's home to the Mountain View and Firecliff courses. Also, the excellent and on-site Palm Desert Golf Academy. You can make it a terrific, a terrific, rather, putt-to-puck day. Go get in your cuts at Desert Willow Golf Resort and skate right on over. Just three miles away to the birds' home ice of Acrisure Arena. As far as those tee times or your swing of tutelage, you're going to find all that online at DesertWillow.com. Best to the birds for that double dip yonder Abbotsford. Again, uh, it's a back-to-back on Friday, December 8th. And then this Saturday, the 9th, before the birds return back for the next home game at Acres Arena. Again, against Abbotsford. That is a 7 p.m. puck drop on Wednesday, December 13th. We'll see you there at the Birds Barn. Until then, thanks again for tuning in. And remember, as always, one valley, one team. Rise in together.